Well, well, well. It is us. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the <clears throat> Tip Balls Podcast. Today is Friday, January 26, 2024. And, Uncle Sam, it's championship weekend. It's the best weekend of the year. I'm a little stressed out right now because I'm producing the show. I got all the control. Where, where is it at? Mike, I got all the Mike control. Mike is in total control. I'm in today. total control in the, with the palm of my hand. That's why, if you may have noticed, we were live a little bit early, number one. Number two, a little bit of hiccups here and there because I'm trying to control these buttons at the same time. And number three, Sam is from afar. So to my left, we have no Bruce. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the, bro, the, the role of me and Bruce today. So if anything stupid comes out of my mouth, that's Bruce. There you go. And that's Uncle Sam to my right. You know him, the bearded one. Hello. And here, moment of truth here, on the Zoom, live from Marco Island, Florida, we have Samuel Randazzo. Hello. Welcome. Zolo, you're doing a fine job so far today, besides the fact that I didn't have my uh, my mic muted during, uh, during pre-show. Everything has been fantastic. You're doing a phenomenal job. But has anyone said anything? Yeah, there's like three different people who texted me saying you were live before uh, they can hear me, but that's on me. I because usually I keep my mic muted until then, mm -hmm. and uh, that was my mess up today. But I will say I am pinker than Bruce's asshole today, so that's a good you point. are pretty rosy cheeked. You look like a, a a big white girl with her ready rosy ass cheeks. I look like grandma after three glasses yeah, of white. You, you look, you look just like Bruce. About time they I get do. some sun in Florida. Yeah, I know. It was like 86 degrees today. It was perfect. It's absolutely fabulous. Well, where do you guys want to start? Do you? I mean, I I think I think the coaching carousel has has pretty much hit its peak. We're down to two jobs. So why don't we work our way? I think we've missed four, if my math is correct. Shit. I think yeah. there's been four yeah, we missed fires. a lot of action this week. There's been a ton of action this week. We got injury reports out. Uh, interviews for offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators are in full force now. Uh, I think the best thing to do is start with the news, and we'll talk coaching carousel during the news, and then pick the games. Today shouldn't today shouldn't be long for everybody listening. Uh, we're at the point in the year now where, you know, I mean, we have two games to break down, and as Uncle Sam will always tell you, we don't want to beat the dead horse. So we'll okay. – do coaching we're not, carousel. We're not beating horses then, here uh, anymore. Coaches in two games. I'm no down. No more beating horses. I'm down. Well, so are we gonna are we gonna attempt the news promo? I I don't I don't think we need to do news, but if you want to do the news promo, here it is. Boom. So I think the job to start with the mo the the earliest of the job or excuse me the latest of the jobs at this point is going to be Bill K or is it Brian Brian Callahan Bill Callahan was his father yeah Brian Callahan the former offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals and the one credited with revitalizing the offense of their franchise and bringing Joe Burrow to a Super Bowl in his second year. Uh, Brian Callahan is taking over as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Who wants to go first? Uncle Sam, you have anything to say first? No, I think that's a good hire for them. Listen, you got to get this fresh blood in here and get this cesspool of shit rotated out of there. That's what needs to happen. Get rid of these fucking relics that are in there right now. Camera's on you, Sam. Uh, obviously, we know Vrabel was definitely more of a defensive guy 
Uh, I think that they kind of want to go in a new direction now. Obviously, there have been a good amount of quarterback woes in Tennessee for some time now. Uh, they're losing what was the catalyst of their offense, most likely, in Derrick Henry. So I think that going with an offensive-minded guy, especially one like Callahan, who essentially he built that that Bengals offense, I think that's a good move for them. Uh, it's definitely a move in a different direction, uh, but probably one that was needed there. They Hopefully they figure out if Will Levis is going to be their guy. If not, they go out and get somebody else yet again and allow him to build something, build a true offense there. Because realistically, Tennessee has not had a quality offense in quite some time outside of Derrick Henry. So losing that, it was probably the right move going for an offensive guy, especially one like him. I think this I think this job, the reason it opened up is there was a level of dysfunction within the organization. And it shouldn't have opened up. I mean, we all were in agreement that Vrabel probably shouldn't have been fired, even though it was possible. Now we're here. I, I like the hire for the most part. I think they got a guy that's been, I don't want to say flown under the radar, because anytime the Bengals were playing in primetime, they would mention, mention that Brian Callahan is a good offensive coordinator and knows what he's doing. But this this hire, this them entering this, this hiring cycle was due to the fact that they didn't like how much power that Vrabel had control of, and Vrabel wanted more of a say in the, in the personnel decisions, and they brought in a new GM last year. I think his name is Rand Cathorn or something like that, and Amy Adams, the, the late Bud Adams' daughter, just didn't like that Vrabel was trying to consolidate uh, power. Meanwhile, she wanted a collaborative effort. She wanted a coach. She wanted a GM. She wanted a team president, and she wanted all of them to be in collaboration with her instead of having it go one through one or two people like the Patriots were doing and some other teams have done. She wanted it to be a giant collaborative effort because that leads to – that the current model says that leads to the best results for the franchise all around. And I think that's why Vrabel lost his job. So this is a guy, don't look at him like a shill. I think he's going to be a good I, coach. Yeah. Go I, I, you know what? I, I, I agree with what you're saying there, but I think with the results that Vrabel has, Vrabel has put out the last few years, that is in question. Okay. They need a quarterback. They drafted two fucking quarterbacks. They had Derrick Henry for years. The defense is solid. And Vrabel was unable to get them past where they are. And I think that had a lot to do with him being gone. That and him not wanting to comply with what they, with the organization was going forward with. It was a perfect storm. Um, yeah. And, and one thing leads to another. So they got, a, they got a decent coach. They got a decent name. And if he does his job, and I think the, the Titans are looking for someone to stay in their own lane. If he stays in his own lane, develops talent, works well with the GM, he should be what Amy Adams is looking for and also a good coach all in the same all in their under the same umbrella so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this is a home run hire but I'm gonna give it a, a solid a minus and good for the Titans they casted a wide net and they think they got their guy uh, the next one was I think confirmed yesterday there were three over the last two days I'm saving Harbaugh for last but the next one is my favorite hire of the cycle and it's someone that I have been high on and who I mentioned back in October. I mentioned November and I mentioned last week. And that's Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales taking over as the head coach for the Carolina Panthers. I love this hire. Sam, what are you thinking? Do you are you a fan of Dave Canales? Do you think someone else might have been a better fit there? What do you think? 
I agree with you 1000%. That was my favorite hire of the weekend as well. Um, obviously, Bryce Young didn't, you know, especially if you're comparing what happened this year between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, it's easy to uh, kind of condemn Bryce Young a little bit too early. I think he needed a good offensive mind like that. I mean, look at what he did with Baker Mayfield this year. You know what I mean? Realistically, I think Canals is part of the reason, if not the entire reason, as far as that coaching staff goes, that Tampa Bay made it to where they did. Um, he's got his work cut out for him in Carolina. Obviously, they were the worst team in football this year. But I think that he's got a good understanding of what Tampa needs to do offensively. They've got the pieces there, right? And we're all kind of in agreement now that Mike Evans, it looks like he'll end up staying there. If you have Evans and Godwin and Rashad White and you were able to do that, what he should be able to pull off in Carolina with Bryce Young and the possibility of Thielen coming back and Jonathan Mingo, and obviously they need to keep building upon it, but I think that Carolina needs a guy like him, another good, another just like uh, – Callahan in Tennessee, another great offensive mind uh, to, to get in there and kind of replicate what he did in Tampa because nobody expected much out of Tampa this year. And obviously we know how it went for him. So uh, I, I expect him to exceed expectations in year one as the Panthers head coach. You're up. I, I like to hire. I like to hire. Listen, they needed to do something there. It wasn't working out. Um, this guy turned around a, a Bucks team that was in turmoil. So if he could do that, he should be able to take this job and go forward with it. It might take some time there. I don't think he has as many pieces as some of these other jobs have had, like San Diego and stuff like that. But I, I think they got a nice young core there defensively and offensively. So I think this is the most underrated hire of the cycle. I think this is the one that we could be talking about in a year or two from now and yeah. saying, like, damn, that could be good. The only thing that goes against it is their roster is pretty depleted and they don't have a first-round pick this year, which doesn't help. But I think he's the perfect complement to Bryce Young, who you guys know me. I don't think Bryce Young is bad at, at all. I think he's in a bad situation. But Dave Canales has a really good pedigree. He started with uh, Uncle Sam's boy Pete Carroll at USC. And he was with them in Seattle for the longest time. He was a you know, strength. I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't. It's Seattle job. Man. Yeah, I mean, at that least, at least an interview. He didn't even interview for, yeah. for Seattle, from what I th from what I I know of. No, he didn't. Um, I I think this is a great hire. I I think that what he did with Geno Smith last year, what he did with Baker Mayfield this year, speaks for itself. He completely revitalized his career. Um, he's got a quarterback passing game coordinator background, so he should be the perfect mentor to Bryce Young. And again, it's a guy that you need some pieces. You need to get him some good coordinators, and eventually you're going to have to build that roster up. Um, but I think this could be the hire that we're talking about down the road. And I could be wrong, but he's got a great pedigree with Seattle and USC, Pete Carroll. Um, and what he did last year speaks for itself, or this year with Baker Mayfield speaks for itself. Guy that flew under the radar, but I think he could end up being a really good hire for them. Um, the third one, which happened yesterday evening, is Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the this, this Los one Angeles I did not Rams. See coming. 
it, it seemed like he was going to get a job and people were stumping for him. Now, the where is what I didn't see coming. Yeah. The landing spot is, is what I didn't see coming. He was the defensive coordinator, if I if I remember correctly, for the – was he on the Super Bowl team? Was he the defensive coordinator for the Super Bowl team? Do you guys remember? I, I believe so. Regardless, he's going to back to Atlanta, franchise he's familiar with. He's now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He spent other time in the division with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I believe he drafted James Winston, if I remember correctly. Might be wrong about that. You might have to fact check me. But Raheem Morris is now the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Sam, what do you think? Um, least favorite hire of the weekend, hands down. Uh, I don't really understand it. Uh, you had a team who has some of the best young offensive talent out of anybody in the league. Uh, and you one, you bring in a defensive minded coach, which it seems like everybody in the, in the current that was looking for a head coach now is trying to get away from that. That's number one, in, in my opinion. I don't understand. If you have Atlanta's offense, you need to get an offensive guy in there to, to bring this whole thing together. Did not like that. Number two, if you're set on a – you're going to hire a defensive coach, you double-interviewed Bill Belichick. He was there twice. The first time he was there for over three hours. Where What happened – No, the first time it was 28 minutes. The, the second time he was there for three hours. Either way. Okay. There's a three-hour interview between him and uh, Arthur Arthur Blank. Excuse me. Obviously, Arthur Blank didn't like what he had to hear. Arthur shoots blanks. I am shocked. Not only that Belichick didn't get the job, but that Raheem Morris got the job. Was not expecting that. I think it's. I think it's a. I think they're going to regret that. The Falcons are going to do another Falcon move, and I think that they're going to regret that hire. Um, just, I, I, it doesn't seem I mean, like that I'm great of a I'm very surprised to hear you say that. It does not seem like that. And I like Raheem Morris. I just don't like that situation for him. Because the biggest, I mean, the Falcons' offense was, was the outside of the Saints. You want to talk about no identity, not having it together, not utilizing yeah. players properly. Like, he's going to have to make a big splash for his OC in order to right that ship and i'm just shocked that they didn't bring in an offensive guy with as bad as the offense was well maybe he'll bring in a big coordinator then so so believe it or not one of the the sought after names offensive names for the last couple years is the quarterbacks coach and pass game coordinator for the rams zach robinson and he's the rumored offensive coordinator and i think that if if that's the case i i love the hell out of that i think that's a great hire and i think that's a good young offensive mind they they still need a quarterback in my opinion but go get them the quarterback and then you have another mcveigh disciple that could come over and make it make a lot of sense so um remains to be seen i disagree with you everyone this was the most heralded defensive guy of the cycle and one or two of the defensive guys worked out last year i mean in in steichen and um excuse me in gannon and D'Amico ryan's and i think every like raheem morris has had so many people backing him from sean mcveigh to every player that's ever played with him jalen ramsey that i think that with the right offensive coach this could work out not a sexy name i'm with you on if you have belichick in there why don't you hire him i know they had jim harbaugh as well um but i don't hate this hire i i don't i don't love it as much as other ones i think there's a lot of potential you look like you're about to say something no i'm not saying anything no i i think there's potential we'll, here we'll get to that one i think there's potential here um that being said the biggest fish 
Uh, Jim Harbaugh had been linked for weeks. One of two jobs he had been linked to. One of only two jobs he was in the hiring cycle for. Jim Harbaugh is heading to the Los Angeles Chargers. It's the franchise that he used to play for. Uh, he coached in San Diego as well. He was the head coach of the University of San Diego. A lot of ties to the organization. A lot of ties to the area. A lot of ties to Los Angeles. And, yeah, they that was their guy, supposedly. They casted a pretty wide net. Um, but that was their guy, and it seems like there's a, there's an underrated storyline here with Jim Harbaugh. It seems that Michigan completely choked the negotiation, but I think we were all in agreement well, that it, he was going to go to the pros bad. no matter they, what, right? He was going to go to the pros, do you think? They weren't giving him the immunity thing that he wanted. That's why he bolted. So they conceded it this week once they knew him signing with the Chargers was imminent, and these were clauses that he asked for in November, and his lawyers just kept getting told no by Michigan. Yeah. And they finally gave it to him, but it was too late. He already got a deal from the Chargers. Sam, I'll let you guys go first. I'll let both of the Sams go first, but I have a little bit to say, but you go ahead, Sam. Um. After we get, there's a couple of coordinator hires that I thought were interesting. So I want to touch on those before we move on. But um, the hardball thing for me makes all the sense in the world for the Chargers. Uh, obviously, you're getting a much different guy than Brendan Staley in there. Uh, Harbaugh gets to work with Justin Herbert. So you have a quarterback guy going in there to work with a group, what we think is a great young quarterback. Um, they needed, they need a help. They need help in that Chargers organization. They need to start this thing over a little bit, regain some identity. Um, you know, you have Austin Eckler, who was one of the best running backs in the league, just suddenly falls off out of nowhere. Um, I like the hire. I think that the Chargers definitely needed it. I think that he'll probably do great work with Justin Herbert there. And realistically, if this goes the way that it should, the Chargers should be where they're expected to be with the kind of roster they have in the AFC. Like, I mean, they, they've, they've been a letdown the last two years. So I like him. I like what he brings to the table. I like the, the personality fit for the chargers. Uh, you know, Harbaugh's Harbaugh is the, a little bit of an oddball. He's a little Her, bit Herbert, different. Herbert and, should be ecstatic right now. He actually has a guy that's going to back quarterback him up. He's going to be behind him a hundred percent. 100%. Agree 1,000%. You agree 1,000%. And Harbaugh is the guy who will have his guys back until until they drag him out of the building. And that's the kind of guy that Justin Herbert needs coming off of the last two years that he needs a guy who's going to have his back. And I think Harbaugh is that guy. And I think much like he did at Michigan, he's going to bring success in Chargers organization. Well, we got to see what they're going to do. They're they're in basically cap hell, and they're going to they're gonna lose some Look, key key players on that team. They have a lot of fat trips. Like, I don't see Khalil contracts. Mack being back. Yeah. I don't see Khalil Mack being back. I mean, you got to figure. I think he's thirty some million against the cap this year by himself. Yeah, like, it's crazy. They have a few. They have a few big pieces that they can eliminate off the rip, and I'm sure they will, and and get themselves out of cap hell pretty quickly. But uh, you know, you've got an aging wide receiver there, core two, core there too, that needs to be dealt with, and. You know, you need somebody in there to work with Quentin Johnson because he was a lot of our favorite receivers coming out of the draft, and, and it was a huge bed shit for him this year. So I'm well, glad I they th went. I think, I, I think he was dealt a pretty shitty hand, though. They didn't utilize him the right way the first 10 games of the year. 
Well, yeah, and that falls yeah. on Staley. And I don't think you're going to yeah. see that with Harbaugh. I think it's going to be – I think you're going to see the Chargers come out fast and strong out of the gate with Harbaugh behind them. Right, and who knows Quentin Johnson better than Jim Harbaugh? Hmm. True. I saw, a, uh, I saw a funny tweet that said that it was it – was, it was Quentin Johnson and Max Duggan walking up to the Chargers building, and it's going to be locked the first day. Harbaugh kind of crazy, you know. <laughs> um, real quick, do you have anything to add on Harbaugh before before? No, I... no, I'm not going to beat the dead horse. Just let it go. So, I'll I'll say this much. First things first. I don't think this was a fit. I never did from the start, mainly because I'm with you guys. I think this is a massive rebuild. Um, I think they could be pretty good, and and at a minimum, a Harbaugh team is all they've never. He's never not had a competitive team, other than the COVID year in 2020, where they seceded the season. But had they had, they still would have lost a bunch of games. He's never not had a competitive team. Going back to University of San Diego, all of his teams have been competitive, yeah. and I think he's gonna. There's some competitors on the Chargers roster, and I think he's gonna utilize them. Number one, uh, number two. Second thing I have to say about this is the Ravens visit. The Chargers next year. The Ravens go to L.A. So Jim and John are going to go up against each other in year one for old time's sake. Um, number three on Harbaugh, I just want to give a close. quick. What's John, up? John's a better coach than he is. Number Not three. Number three. Um, just a quick ode to Jim Harbaugh. And I, I tweeted this out the other day. When, when Michigan landed Jim. Back in, you know, the rumors were the end of 2014 and then, you know, January 2015. When Michigan landed Jim, we were down so bad at that point. And everyone around us was better. Ohio State had just won a national championship. Michigan State was still on a special run. And they ended up going to the playoff the next year. They just won their Rose Bowl. And things were really bad. And when he came in, all I wanted at that point in time was just to, I had heard from my Spartan friends, get to Indy, bud, get to Indy. You've never, never been to Indy. I just wanted to win the Big Ten. And, you know, it took a long time. It took a while to get it going. But eventually he got the program humming. And six or seven years later, you have three straight Big Ten titles, three straight wins over Ohio State, um, three straight college football playoff appearances, and a national championship to boot. And all I wanted was the one Big Ten title. He gave it. He will go down as arguably the best coach in the history of Michigan because of what he did in the modern era of college football. He won one of the last meaningful college football titles before NIL ruins all this and guys getting paid left and right. And thank you, Jim. You'll never see this. Thank you, Jim Harbaugh. I hope he gets his ring. I hope he chases it, and I hope it works out for him. I do think the Chargers are a little more of a long play, but they're going to be competitive. They're going to be really competitive at a minimum, and he's going to bring Jesse Minter with him, so he's going to have that Ravens defensive scheme. And there's pieces to like on the Ravens defense, or excuse me, on the Chargers defense. So good for Jim. I hope this is everything he dreams it is. It's probably his last stop because he's older, older guy, 60, 61. So I hope he's able to do some damage over the next 10 years, and I hope he's able to get that ring because that's good company if he does get the college and the pro ring. Um, Sam, you want to talk about some coordinators, and so do I. You can go first. Well, the Eagles are uh, are going for two new coordinators. Um, uh, earlier in the week, uh, the Miami Dolphins and Vic Fangio uh, agreed to part ways, and now it looks like he is the defensive coordinator for the Eagles going forward. I wanted to get Uncle Sam's thoughts on that. Um, but they also are interviewing offensive coordinators today as well. 
And uh, I'm not so sure we would like that one. Um, first and foremost, what do you think about Vic Fangio in the Eagles, Uncle Sam? Well, he's going to a lot talented, more talented defense than what he had in Miami. My opinion. I'm with you. I agree. And, and I, I think that kind of helped him make the transition. Not against him, but you see what the you see what happened when they lost just about their whole defensive line over there. All they had was Christian Wilkins left, and they had nothing on the outside to bring any kind of stability or pressure. So it's a good move for him. And you know what? Listen, if anybody needs him, it's Philly's defense. Vic Fangio is kind of the leader of that bend it, don't break bullshit defense, but he will be he will bring packages that other teams aren't used to seeing. So it, it'll it'll be good in the long run for Philly. So yesterday they uh, they interviewed Kellen Moore for their vacant offensive coordinator job. Uh, I have a feeling this one's not going to be as popular. No. He wants you to elaborate. That one surprised me. You know what? I I don't know. I'm sure they're going to bring in a bunch of different guys just to interview him. I I would be shocked if they hired somebody really fast here, which I get it. They're going to try to bring bring a staff in and get them adjusted and get them in there. But we'll see what happens. The Fangio thing kind of surprised me. I would have went with somebody else. I would have went with Wink Martindale, who agreed to leave the Giants. If I was the Eagles, I would have picked him up, but that's just my opinion. So so real quick, I want to interject. Um, there was a really good thread on Twitter that uh, Ian Rappaport tagged from Brett Jukes, I think his name is, and he works for Arthur Blank. He's like the president of the, Fel- of the Falcons' like entertainment umbrella. And he had like a series of 15 tweets explaining their coach hiring process and how Arthur Blank wanted it one way, but they talked to all these different candidates, so many candidates, and you learn everything. You learn different schemes. You learn guys' ideas. Like you learn from the process. And one thing that Nick Sirianni didn't have the luxury of last year is he was in the Super Bowl and his coordinators had already taken two different jobs at that point. So he probably didn't have the time to go through the hiring cycle properly. Therefore, he should cast as wide of, net, of a net as possible for his coordinators because that will lead to the most success because that's what happened this year. He had a breakdown with both of his coordinators. I wouldn't say so much the offensive coordinator. I think they just had a lot of injuries down the stretch offensively. But defensively, you you ended up with Matt Patricia, and that was never My a good idea. God, you throw the fucking dirt right on the casket because that's exactly what happened. Throw the dirt on the casket. So I'm, I'm happy you brought up the coordinators. Um Another guy that got fired, Sam, if you want to talk about it, is Joe Barry, the de- the Packers' longtime defensive coordinator. Um, and that you, surprised me. Do you want to talk about the net that they're casting for, for potential replacements for Joe Barry? There's one name that I saw in particular. Um, I do. Uh, real, I, 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 let me, give me a second on that. There's one name that's getting multiple interviews for the last two head coaching jobs that I cannot believe. I want you guys to see if you know who it is. Please. Okay, can you give us a hint? Is it an offensive guy or a defensive guy? Defensive guy. And this person's getting interviews? Multiple interviews. Is he this had person, one today. Is he favored to land the Seattle job at the moment? Yes, he is. Is it Dan and Quinn? Dan Quinn. Is it Dan Quinn? Dan fucking Quinn. Dan Quinn. Can't believe that after we've seen this, so many times 
And I, I'm just, I'm actually really surprised that that teams are taking interviews with Dan Quinn when you have Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick out there. Can't believe it. Um, but back to the, the Packers defensive coordinator job, Brendan Staley interviewed for it today. He might get it. Yeah, that I don't love Listen, that. He, well, he wasn't a bad defensive coordinator. No, he was a good defensive coordinator. Was he? I was he? It. He wasn't with the Rams Garden for the Central. Super Bowl, right? He left right before the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. Correct. Well, yes. they had some good defenses there in the golf years. Like you could make the case that they were doing a lot defensively, yeah. um, and he was supposed to be some numbers guru or whatever. But I don't know. In the right scheme, and there's some pieces in Green Bay. There's a lot to like about some of their their assets defensively. I think he could thrive. I don't know. I don't want to see him come to the division. That's just me, though. So, so just, what do you what do you think outlook wise? I mean, there's two job openings left. Let's yeah, let's let's talk about him. Oh wait, there's. I want to when we're done with this. When we talk about the two jobs, I want to talk about Lions potential coordinators in the event that they yeah. they're going to lose one of them. But can um, can we do that? Can we do that before we do this? Yeah, let's do it. Because I I think I came to a conclusion now. I don't think the Lions are going to lose either coordinator at this point. Okay. I was you two hours ago. Then what's his face from ESPN? I can't remember his name. Um, There's a report going on right now that the commanders are just sitting on their hands and waiting for Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson is assured he went from like, plus 130 to minus 1,000 today for the for the commander's job. Now, they do have other second interview scheduled. Maybe the commanders are waiting to see what Ben Johnson does this weekend and then maybe potentially what he does in two weeks. Um, but it seems like Ben Johnson is a lock for the commander's job. Honestly, I don't know any other names that have come up. And conversely, I don't know who – I mean, only a handful of names have come up with Seattle, but I don't think we're going to lose Aaron Glenn, which I think is huge. I think that's massive. I, think I don't think big. we're losing Aaron Glenn. I think that's a 0% chance. That being said, I do think Ben Johnson is as good as gone. And a name a name that I've never, surprisingly, never talked about on the show, one of the reasons why, there, there's a reason the Lions don't have some crazy fear over losing Ben Johnson. And that's because there's two reasons. Number one, their scheme is Dan Campbell's scheme. This is Dan Campbell's offense. And it's Dan Campbell's. It's it's his. It's his assets. Okay, and everything they do is from the trenches out. So if you have good offensive linemen, it's going to work. But this is Dan Campbell's system. Ben Johnson was promoted at the beginning of last year. He was the tight ends coach. Now you guys know where I'm going for, with this. Do you know who their tight ends coach is now? Currently, Tanner Eggstrand. Tanner Eggstrand. Tanner Eggstrand, and he has also been the passing game coordinator for two years. Most of their passing concepts, even though Ben Johnson's the one calling the plays and calling them brilliantly, most of their passing concepts are Tanner Engstrand, who, as you know, Sam, just got – he's been requested to be uh, interviewed for Gerard Mayo's offensive coordinator job. Personally, I think the Lions' reaction to this will say a lot because if the Lions block it, that means that they're assuming that Ben Johnson is gone and they could promote Tanner Engstrand. If they don't – my guess is they'll let him interview, and Tanner Engstrand will have his pick of the pop if the Lions' offensive coordinator job opens up. But I don't think the Lions are panicking because they're just going to promote Tanner Engstrand. Now, it's a matter of who else can interview for the, the commanders. I don't know why they haven't interviewed Belichick. I don't know why they haven't interviewed Vrabel. 
Um, it seems like they're locked in though on on uh, on Ben Johnson. But go ahead. What do you have to say? They have a second interview with Dan Quinn set up on Monday as well. Well, that's good. That's good. But then it leaves Seattle. It leaves Seattle at that point. Is who's gonna I, like Seattle's a big mystery. The, the least amount of names have shown up there. Um, I'm sure they'll get it right. It's a good organization. They have good management, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. But Seattle's up for grabs, and yeah, I mean the the Lions. There's a chance they could survive this cycle without losing these two guys. But if we're going by the betting odds and we're going by what ESPN is saying, then yeah, I mean there's a chance that they're gonna at least lose Ben Johnson. But seems like Aaron Glenn is safe, and as you guys know, with Aaron Glenn's defense has been one of the reasons the Lions have been in these games over the last couple of weeks. So, hey, we appreciate it over here. I think that them keeping Glenn is more important than them keeping Ben Johnson. Even yeah. if, hypothetically, Tanner Eggstrand is gone, I think keeping Aaron Glenn is more important to this team right now than keeping both of them. So, so real quick, I had this argument with the Arabs over the summer is, is I think that Aaron Glenn is more essential to the Lions than Ben Johnson is. Even if Ben Johnson's the better coach and better at what he does than Aaron Glenn is at what he does, I think it's essential to keep Aaron Glenn because you get that continuity with the young defense who's they're going to they're going to retool the shit out of that defense this offseason. There's going to be a lot of assets added. I think a lot of draft assets are going to go to it and I think it'd be really cool to have Aaron Glenn who everyone reveres and everyone respects to have him for another year whereas the Lions have already they lost an offensive coordinator in Anthony Lynn after year one and then they got better the next year and they have the pieces offensively that no matter who comes in should thrive they're coming into St. Brown, Goff, Laporta they're coming into the best tackle in the league in Penny Sewell two fucking premium running backs so there's a lot to work with, whereas there isn't as much to work with on the defense. So I'm with you. I'm happy you said that. Aaron Glenn is more essential to the Lions' forthcoming plans than Ben Johnson is. Do you have anything um, to add on the coaching well, carousel? Do you have any? Is there yes. any more coordinators? Well, outside of the coordinators, right now, if you if you told me I had to pick who I think will be the next head coaches of the two options that are left, I think Dan Quinn ends up in Seattle. Okay, and I think right now, I think there's a dark horse candidate still out there for Washington, and we haven't heard anything about it yet, but I could see it happening. There's been a lot of Bill Belichick talk today, and it wasn't for Washington, but I think if I had to bet right now, I think Belichick will end up being the next head coach there. But I want to throw a scenario at you guys that picked up a ton of steam online today. Please. There's rumors that started floating around uh, Chiefs, the Chiefs organization, that if Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl this year, he'll retire. And that if Andy Reid ever stepped away and Belichick was available, that it is, quote-unquote, a guarantee that – Chiefs ownership would hire Bill Belichick to be the next coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Go first. I don't know. I, You know what I think? I know this is going to sound weird. I don't think I, – I think you're right about him going to a team that has an existing coach. I just don't think it's it's Kansas City. I, I There's going to be a surprise right after this playoff run in this Super Bowl. I got a feeling you're going to see something that, that – you rarely see 
and that's a guy lose his job, and then Belichick will be slid right in. Well, I'll say this much. I'll say this much real quick because I've already talked way too much about coaches today. I think it's a fit. I think Belichick in Kansas City is a fit. I think he can go chase his wins. I think he can put together some division-winning teams. I think he gets Mahomes, which is great. And Lamar Hunt, or excuse me, Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, is very similar, very similar ownership style. Number one, like he's on the competition committee. He's on like the owner's executive committee. Like he's a top five owner in the league. And his roots go back to the old AFL with Clark Hunt, his his father. Um, or is it his grandfather? Regardless, I don't I either way, I think the ownership style is similar to what Robert Kraft is. Like that perfectly just amount, right amount of hands-on owner, but just the right amount of we're gonna let my people run the team. That's what Clark Hunt is. So I could see the I could see Clark Hunt working well with Belichick. I see that as a fit. Obviously, everything else is a perk. They got a good defense. They have Mahomes. There's a little bit to like. So, yeah, I just don't see Andy Reid retiring personally. Um, but yeah, maybe I could see the fit. I, I could totally see the fit. Big changes in Kansas City before next year. Kelsey, you'll be gone. Got to see what happens there. What else on the coaching carousel? I- um, outside of that, I mean, is there anybody that we haven't talked about that you guys think could end up, uh, that you guys think could end up either in Washington or, uh, Seattle? I, I mean, you want to know something? What shocks me about this whole thing is I think Vrabel will be the one on the outside looking in. And that's shocking to me because out of everybody who got fired, he, I thought was the least deserving. I agree with that. But I, like I said, I think his little what is he, tenure? His little tenure, man, ran its course. And he couldn't do it with a, a decent team. He was in the playoffs every year, and they got bounced every year. You know, and I think that's sticking. And that's I think that's why you don't see a lot of teams jumping up wanting to interview him. I Yeah, I think both Vrabel and Belichick are going to be on the outside looking yeah. in. Um, that doesn't mean they're not going to coach again. I think they're just going to take gap years. I think – Belichick would thrive on TV if he so chooses. He'll he'll be the hottest name in the history of football television. Oh, he'd be awful on TV, dude. Um, you see how he is. Well, he, yeah, he but he can. But him. yeah, agree. But he could break down X's and O's. Yeah, and he can and he could break down X's and O's in football and, and translate it in a way that the the plebeians like me would would really but appreciate. Does he, does he even want to really do that at his age? I don't know. I think if he's not coaching and a, and a, a, a broadcast service comes in and says, "Here, we'll give you coach money to work he's sixteen Sundays." Money. He doesn't need money. I, it's he's free though. Money, it's free. No, I I think that yeah. the, that that's a part of it though. I think that's there's there's a scenario. Listen, either way, I don't think either of those guys are done coaching, yeah. but I think they both aren't going to get hired in this cycle. I don't, I don't think they're going to, they're not coordinators, they're head coaches. So I think they're not going to get hired in this cycle and then go from there. I think that, um, I think you'll see Belichick. There'll be jobs that are worthwhile for him next year that open up, but it's not going to be this year. I don't think you're going to see Belichick this year unless something happens with the commanders. Um, but I don't, it's, it hasn't happened. All right. Should we get into our AFC and NFC championship picks? I think we should. Okay. Oh, 
p.m. live from MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland. Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the Kansas City Chiefs are heading to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, who was activated today, and the Baltimore Ravens. A uh, little bit of injury news on this one. Uh, Sky Moore out for the uh, the Chiefs. Not that anybody really gives a shit about that one. Kadarius <laughs> Tony questionable. The Jarius Sneed is questionable, but he is going to play. It looks like he's going to play. Excuse me. Uh, big one. Joe Thune out for the Chiefs. That's a big one. Pacheco banged up and questionable, but it looks like he is going to play as well. All these all these guys are playing, Sam. All these guys that are questionable are going to wind up playing. They're going to give it a go. I I think so. Yeah. The Joe Tooney one was surprising to me. He has a severely strained peck, I guess, and he is going to miss the game. He strained um, his pecker? Ravens he wise, strained his pecker? Strained his pecker. Ravens-wise, uh, Marlon Humphrey is going to be a game-time decision. Okay. Uh, you want us to pick it first? Baltimore is a three and – Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. You, I'm sorry. I thought you were teeing it up for us, but you go ahead right now. Baltimore, a three and a half point favorite. Over under is 44 and a half. Uh, Zolo picked the Ravens to be his Super Bowl champion uh, from the go this year. Uh, so this one will be interesting. Uh, this was, I believe, I tried to look back the other day, but I think Uncle Sam picked this as his AFC championship. Uh, to start out the year as well. So I did, didn't I? I'll let you guys. I forgot all about that. Uncle Sam, you go first. Well, I'm going to go with what my gut tells me. And uh, Patty Mahomes. I'm taking Patty Mahomes. I'm taking him and uh, Travis Kelsey on his farewell tour. Him and his little, what's her fucking name? What's Taylor, her name? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. And. Uh, they're going to go riding off into the sunset on a white horse. Actually, they're going to throw a saddle on Andy Reid and ride him right to the Super Bowl. And I'm taking the Chiefs, and I'm taking the over. Sam? Okay, I'm going over. Without question, I'm going to go over here um, for one reason and one reason only. I think Baltimore is going to run Kansas City out of – completely out of the state of Maryland. Listen, if we if we look at this the Chiefs' body of work so far through this playoffs, they played the most injury-depleted defense out of every team in the playoffs, which was the Miami Dolphins. Um, then they played Buffalo, who all year was kind of depleted defensively. And Buffalo this year, their defense was nothing better than average in my opinion, um, they have not played a defense like this Ravens defense so far in the playoffs, not even anything close because right now, in my opinion, Baltimore has the best defense in football and that's why they are where they are. I think that John Harbaugh will perfectly scheme a, a plan to, to keep Mahomes contained. Um, I don't think they really need, Isaiah Pacheco's had a very nice year and a nice playoff run so far. He's a little bit banged up. I don't think he's going to be a problem for that Ravens defensive front. And I think ultimately 
this linebacking core in Baltimore is so fucking stellar right now. I think that they're going to really be a problem for Kansas City. And you have to remember, this is not Kansas City Chiefs that we are used to. I know that they're in the AFC Championship again, and I know they had an 11-6 season, but this is not the Chiefs that we're used to. It's a watered-down version, and I still believe that. And I think that Baltimore is going to run them out of the house. I'm taking Baltimore minus 3.5. I'm taking the over. I think Baltimore is going to hang up a lot of points because this Chiefs defense isn't what it was two months ago. And I think that defensively, there it's going to be a it's going to be bad for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs this week. I think this game is going to be a blowout. I think it's over at the half, and I think Baltimore has a ticket to the Super Bowl. Do you have any player props? Uh, my players, my player props. I do have these written down. Um, I have a Mark Andrews anytime touchdown. I think he Ooh, comes welcome back. back. Welcome he's back. Welcome back. He's been out for three months. He comes back off IR, immediately makes an impact. Uh, I'm taking Pat Mahomes over one and a half interceptions, and I'm taking Lamar Jackson over 65 rushing yards. Yeah, I am extremely high on the Ravens. I always have been, even though I've been high on the Chiefs lately. And my heart says, like, it's hard to pick against Mahomes, but he's on the road. And, yeah, it's one thing if he's got to – I mean, this is what? He's never not played in the AFC Championship game, but this is the first time on the road, and he's playing arguably the best team he's ever played in an AFC Championship game. And the Ravens have just been a juggernaut, and I think they're really going to be hyped for this game. I I really do. Um, I'm going with the Ravens to win. I'm going with the Ravens to cover the three and a half. I think that this could be a, easily a touchdown game. And I like the over as well. I think I think the Chiefs are going to muster some points and, and they're going to do some scoring and there's going to be some back and forth early, but the Ravens pull away in the second half like they did to get against the Texans last week. I got four props that I like. I like Gus Edwards anytime. Um, I think that one of the ways to beat the Chiefs is you have to be able to effectively run the ball. They're going to be able to effectively run the ball. And Lamar and Gus Edwards are both going to run all over the Ravens' D. I like Rashi Rice under 62.5 yards. I think he's going to—I think there's if there's one team that's going to cover him like glue, he's not going to bust open on this Ravens' defense. They've played some really good wide receivers this year, and none of them have really busted him open. Uh, regardless of what goes on with Humphrey, I love how I feel about Kyle Hamilton in the backfield. I like Isaiah Pacheco anytime because that's just been hitting. And I also like Travis Kelsey under 62 and a half, believe it or not. Best linebacking core we've seen in a long time in, in Queen and Smith, uh, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. And I think that they're going to have a blast covering Travis Kelsey. And I think the moment, not that it's going to be too big for Travis Kelsey, he just hasn't looked himself, including the drops he had in the first week. He was a little bit more serviceable last week, but he's playing a lot better team on the road so yeah um ravens win ravens to cover and i like the over all right big game big day a lot of moments uh our very own detroit lions are heading to the bay area to levi stadium specifically this weekend to oh, play the San Field. Francisco. No, no, I'm not going to Ford Field. To play the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, some injury news. Debo Samuel officially off the injury report and playing. Um, <clears throat> Sam Laporta off the injury report and playing. Jonah Jackson out for the Lions. Khalif Raymond officially out for the Lions. Uh, and Hendon Hooker 
is questionable. He had a tooth removed today. Uh, Zach Ertz, their new tight end signing, which somehow we missed talking about Monday. Uh, he is questionable, but it looks like he is going to play. The Lions are a seven-point underdog in this game. The over-under is 51.5 points. And um, sentimentally, this game means more to both of you than it does to me, so I'll go first here. Uh, I am going to take the over in this game. I'm going over the 51.5 points. And unlike my thoughts on the first game, I think that this game is going to be much, much closer than the Baltimore-Kansas City game. I think that all year that this Lions team has been built in a way that suits up very, very well against San Francisco. Uh, I was not overly impressed with San Francisco a week ago because um, I'm not all that sold on Green Bay. Green Bay gave them everything, like we said last week. If Brock Purdy comes out the way he did against Green Bay, I think that Detroit ultimately wins this game. Uh, if Detroit can scheme something up to not allow Christian McCaffrey to go wild, I think that they win this game. Even if he does have 80 rushing yards and a touchdown, I think that Detroit can still win this game. The key to Detroit winning this game is not allowing Debo Samuel to take it over and, and turn it into one of his own. And that's worrisome for me. As I said last week, usually this Lions team allows one wide receiver to go crazy. And hopefully they do. And it's just one. But that Ayuk and Debo matchup might be a little much for them. Uh, I am going to take the Lions to not only cover the minus seven, but I'm going to take them to win this game. Uh, again, I'm going over on both games this weekend. I think that the Lions win this as backdoor as you can. I think fate is on their side right now. I think that they're able to contain a banged-up Debo Samuel for four quarters of football, and it is not going to be easy, but I think that they do it. Props that I have for this game, Brock Purdy over one-and-a-half interceptions. Um, I have a David Montgomery anytime, and I also have Jared Goff over two touchdown passes. The pride of Marin County, Jared Goff, Uncle Sam, you're up. Okay, I'm going to take the over in this game, and I'm going to take uh, Detroit to win. Oh, my God. You guys are wild. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? Taking the over and Detroit to win. Uh, they have to win a turnover battle. Yep. They, I they agree. They have to win a turnover battle. It's, it's real simple. Um, I, I don't know if controlling the clock will be doing anything for them at this at this point. I'd like to see them keep, keep San Francisco's keep offense on the sideline, but – I think the turnover battle is essential. And without can John I, Jackson. Can I point something out real quick? You sure can. I know what you're thinking, Zola. All right? Because I've been thinking the same thing all week. But there's one thing that I couldn't get out of my head. It's that one of these two coaches has balls the fucking size of church bells. And so far in this playoff run, his church bell-sized balls have paid off. And there's another one of these coaches who, year in and year out, does something fucking stupid to choke away a playoff game, and that's Kyle Shanahan. And I think Dan Campbell will outcoach Kyle Shanahan, and ultimately that will be that little sliver 
that wins the Lions this game. First things first, let me say I appreciate both of you guys' picks. It doesn't go unnoticed, and the vibes are high right now. Second thing to everyone that's – to everyone, no matter what happens, enjoy the shit out of it. And I don't think that if the Lions lose Sunday, I don't think this is like 91 where where the people were wondering, well, maybe they'll make it back. I think the Lions will be back here as soon as next year, and I think it might even be at Ford Field. Um, so I think this is the beginning of something beautiful. I really do. As for the game – there's one caveat that you have already mentioned, and that is Debo. Debo is off the injury report somehow, and Debo is playing. Let me tell you about the San Francisco 49ers with Debo. All time with Debo out of the lineup, they are 8-9. and nine. He is the most—we were talking about McCaffrey, Purdy all year. We, we're stupid. It's Debo that is the most essential player— to the San Francisco 49ers offense because he has to be accounted for in ways that no other player in football at the moment can be accounted for. He's no matter what who's on him, no matter what, he is a matchup nightmare. Now, this goes one of two ways, and it determines my pick. Is Debo going to be a decoy? Right now, I'm inclined to believe he is. I truly believe he he could end up being a decoy. As am I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I think it's a decoy. I think all he is is the is a head game right now. So I'm with you based on how he practiced. He was limited and limited, and now he's off the injury report so, so, somehow, some way, all of a sudden. And the Lions play a really physical brand of defense. So in order for him to feel comfortable, he's really going to have to beat them in the defensive backfield, which I don't know how easy that's going to be for him. Um, on top of that, they're 8-9 and nine all time without Debo. This year alone, they're 0-3. Uh, excuse me, one and four when Debo either leaves a game or doesn't play. They got their first win where Debo left a game on Sunday, and it took the Packers choking it away to get that. Um, Debo is the X factor. Now, for player props, I have a few. Number one, you already hit it. I love David Montgomery anytime. The Niners are the 16th best defense against the run. They have been getting gashed against the run. That's their, that's how they play defense, is they give up everything in front of them so as to not get beat behind them. Therefore, the Lions are going to run the shit out of the ball, and I think it's going to be a good game for David Montgomery in his first ever AFC, or NFC Championship game. I think he's going to show out nicely. I think Gibbs is going to show out nicely. That could also lead to some good things for the Lions in terms of controlling the tempo and leaving the offense on the field. If they're able to stay on schedule and stay on script and they're in third and shorts, they're going to be a really tough out. And that's something that I can maybe see happening. My second prop that I love is a gimme, in my opinion. It's Ayuk over 77.5. The Lions have gone, what, five or six straight weeks with an over over 100-yard rusher. I don't think they're going to have an answer for Ayuk unless Brock Purdy's uncomfortable, and Brock Purdy's not going to always be uncomfortable. So Ayuk over. I also think Amon Ra's going to hit his over because the Lions are going to pick one of the Packers' game plans last week as they picked on Detroit's own from Michigan, Ambry Thomas. And every time they picked on Ambry Thomas, number 20 for the Niners, 
Every time he was picked on, they either got a pass interference out of it or a big play out of it. And I think Amory Thomas is going to have a mismatch somewhere, and you're going to see a lot of Amon Ra underneath with crossing routes in the middle of the field. No quarterback in the league has been better than Jared Goff in the middle of the, middle of the field over the last couple months. So I love Amon Ra over 83.5. I'm going to shock you with this one. I don't think Kittle is going to beat the Lions as bad as everyone else does. I think that that's going to be a focus of their defensive game plan. I'm going Kittle over under 60.5. And I'm also conversely going Sam Laporta over 47.5 because those linebackers are going to be doing a lot of work trying to cover the Lions running backs. And I think that Sam Laporta is poised to have a big game. He's due. He hasn't had one since before his injury, and I think he's going to show out. Now, for my game picks, I do like the Lions to cover the seven points. Uh, they've never, they've always shown out on the road. They're always good on the road. They're always good in prime time. They're 13 and one all time with wearing these all white jerseys with their only loss being a game in Dallas a couple weeks ago that they won. They're pretty good in the all blue jerseys as well, but, uh, they show out in prime time. They're never too small for the moment. They're really good on Sundays in prime time. They're really good in the road on prime time. So they're not going to get ran out of the building. No, it's time to step it up right now. They're not going to get ran out of the building. They got to step it up. They're missing Jonah Jackson, which really it doesn't I, help. I, I feel that hurts. If them. they win this That's, week, Jonah Jackson will be back. Though. It's forty yards rushing per game with him in it. It could be. It could be. But it but is. this is a team that you that if you're missing a good guard like yeah. Jonah Jackson, this is a team where you could survive. Right. You could survive without Jonah Jackson because they give up a lot up the middle. It's what they do. Yeah. I I, I could remember uh, this this is this time of the year back. You know. 82 going into 83 when the Lions went out to, to real San Francisco, not Candlestick. Santa Clara. Tell me about Candlestick. Not Uncle fucking Jack. Santa Clara. Candlestick Park where the fucking winds were like fucking Chicago. And the Lions went into there. Gary Danielson was the quarterback. He threw five interceptions in that game. Fuck him. And they fucking lost because they missed a field goal. They threw five interceptions against a Joe Montana team, and they fucking missed a field goal at the end. In this game, I'm happy you said that. This game could yeah. very well, I think it's going to come down to a field goal that from was someone. At, hey, that was at San Francisco. Candlestick Different Park. Animals. I think it. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I think it's going to be either a Michael Badgley field goal or or Jake Moody, former Michigan kicker, Detroit kid or not Detroit kid, but Metro Detroit kid. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to come down to that. And Jake Moody's missed a kick in each of the last two weeks. It almost cost them the game last week. Yeah. This is my thing. Ultimately, this is the fourth straight NFC Championship game for the Niners. They won the first one, which was on the road. They lost at L.A. in a heartbreaker in a game that they should have won, and then they lost last year in Philly as well. This is the first time they've had the game at home, and I think that counts for something. I think that this this entire year, it's the reason their draft went the way it did. People knocked their draft. They've been ready for this for a long time. They've been waiting for this for a long time, and I ultimately think that because they have this game at home and their window is near closed, even though they're under the cap, whatever— I think that they're going to get up really well for this game in a way that the last two Niner teams did not. And I think that if the game is within their grasp down the stretch, a home crowd can be the difference. Now, SeatGeek data says as of in the middle of the week, the Lions or people from the Metro Detroit area have accounted for 20% of all the tick aftermarket tickets told, sold on SeatGeek for this game. 
and that probably applies to the other websites as well. That doesn't account for all the people that already live in California and that are I know a lot of people from the Bay Area that are Lions fans that are going. So I'm sure the crowd's going to be pretty blue. I'm sure 30% of that crowd's going to be I got Lions family fans. There too. Yeah. He's got family there. Yeah. I ultimately think the Niners do come out on top in this game when it's all said and done. I think it's a whoever has the ball in their hands last kind of game, similar to how the Niners had it last week, even though they didn't have the ball in, the hand, in their hands at the end. Uh, I just think that the Niners at home is going to end up being the difference. They're more evenly matched than we think. Um, again, things could change if Debo isn't effective. I think McCaffrey's going to get bottled up nicely, but... Ultimately, I think the Niners are going to be the ones with the ball in their hand at the end of the game. And I think the Niners are going to be the ones that win the NFC. But we're just getting started. And I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to cry. We have the draft coming here in a couple <laughs> weeks, a couple months. Yeah. And and this is just getting started for this franchise. Okay? We had a great draft in 21, great draft in 22, great draft in 23. We're going to have a lot of guys that are on rookie deals, and I think the Lions are going to – a really young Lions team this year is going to be poised to make it happen next year. I think the Super Bowl's in New Orleans, and I think we're all going to be there. Listen to me. Dan Campbell's going to have these guys fucking running through fire this week. They're going to be ready to play. Let me tell you something. They they better be ready to match that intensity. Anyone who thinks – Because if they're not, they're going to get punched in the mouth. Anyone who thinks the Lions are going to get run out of the building is dead wrong. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to be fucking wrong. They're going to cover that. It's going to be a closer game. I just think that the the intangibles favor the other team. I'm almost going with the under in this game. Yeah. Because I think it's going to be a defensive juggernaut. You're going to love this game. I actually do think the under is going to hit. I didn't say that. I think I think that the Lions historically in these big road games, you look at Dallas, you look at Kansas City earlier this year, yeah. you look at, at Green Bay, that was a little bit different one. But the, but the Lions end up playing really good defense because yeah. they know that that's essential. They play stout defensively, and I think that the Niners are going to match their tone defensively. So I do think the under is going to hit in this one. But uh, ultimately, I think the Niners do come out on top. But – I wouldn't be like shocked Sam if said you guys earlier, are right. Listen to me. Listen to me. I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe that he will fuck this game up because that's what he does. That's exactly what he does. He will coach his way out of this game, just like he did last year in Philly. Well, I hope I'm wrong. I can say that much. Listen. Listen. I think that for once, for once, Zola, I think you're picking this game with your heart. I think that it's easier for you to say it, it, it softens the blow. <laughs> it softens the blow. I Maybe. hear you. Maybe it does. Just a little. Just a little. Maybe. I wouldn't be shocked if they win. Let me ask you a question. They wind up winning this game and they go to the fucking Super Bowl. Are you going? We're all going. I'm not going. Yeah, okay. you're, you're coming with I us. Can't, I actually can't, and Sam will tell you why. Yeah. When is the Super Bowl? February what? February 11th. February 11th. Yeah. And why can't I go? Because it's your daughter's birthday, but I guarantee you, if you, for the first time in your but life, listen, it's my baby's birthday. Bullshit, She's coming. I'm not going. I'm missing her birthday. I will not go. Bring, my her, bring her with you. Yeah, right. I, I will not go. We don't have to go. No my one has baby to go to Angelina, the game. Angelina, my, my youngest daughter is going to be 16. I'm so happy. That's, nothing that's screams. My, that's my girl. Nothing screams. Sweet her went sixteen. Went to a Lions game together. You remember that? I took her to her first football game. Sam gave me his tickets because he was out of town. Nothing screams. Sweet sixteen. Nothing screams. Sweet sixteen like the Las Vegas Strip. I'm not. No. I agree. Absolutely fucking not. 
okay, real quick before we end, uh, can we talk about uh, the NFL Honors finalists? Yeah. What is that? Just real quick. I want to spend what five minutes here. No, no, no. There's, there's some good that they hit home, so we have to. What is it? Okay. Um, offense or uh, assistant coach of the year. Let's the pick them as are... you go. Let's let's pick them as you go too. Okay, assistant coach of the year finalists: Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions, Who's Mike that? McDonald from the Baltimore Ravens, Todd Munkin from the Baltimore Ravens, Jim Schwartz from the Cleveland Browns, and Bobby Slowick from the Houston Texans. Do they account for the regular season, or do they account for the playoffs, or is it just it's regular season based, right? They cap it at the regular I, season. Yes, it is regular season. The regular season awards. Yes. You you pick that one first, then we'll pick it. I have a pick in that category. Uh, I'm picking Ben Johnson. I mean, I know that's basic, but Uncle Sam. Bobby Slowick would be my number two. Who yeah, else fair, was there? Fair. Ben Johnson, Both Bobby Slowick, coordinators Jim Schwartz, and Jim Shorts. Mike McDonald, and then who's the, I missed one as well. Jim Shorts. McDonald. Ben Johnson. No, what's Detroit. the offensive coordinator for the uh, Ravens? Todd Munkin. He, he's got my pick. Is he on there? Yeah, it's Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, Todd Munkin, Jim Schwartz, and Bobby Slowick. Okay, my pick is... Mike McDonald, um, and that's that's a name that we forgot to talk about when we were doing the commander's job yeah. earlier. I think any whoever hasn't hired Mike McDonald is dumb. He comes from the double Harbaugh coaching tree, and he had success in Ann Arbor. He had success in Baltimore before that. He's having success in Baltimore now, especially if he wins a title. I don't know why the Raven or the Commanders wouldn't want to come calling. My pick for coordinator of the year is is um, is Mike McDonald. My second would probably be Ben Johnson. Go ahead, next. Coach of the Year finalists. Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski. You first. Uh, my pick, with a heavy heart, my pick would be D'Amico Ryans. Uncle Sam? All grit, baby. Dan Campbell. Yeah, I think after, again, it's, it depends on what you account for, but I think it should be Dan Campbell. Um D'Amico Ryan's makes sense. Stefanski certainly makes sense because of what the Browns did this year. Um, I, it's hard to not that say worst to first for Ryan's. That that's that's yeah. pretty special. I, I love what the Texans did. I love Stroud so much. I love Nico Collins, but I think it should be accounted for that the Jaguars choked that division away and that the Colts had an injured quarterback. I think that needs to be accounted for in the D'Amico uh, D'Amico Ryan's argument. I think Dan Campbell should be rewarded at this point for for what's happening in the NFL right now. All he has, balls. He has the All world's balls. attention. Go ahead, next. Defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Joey Porter Jr., Kobe Turner, Devin Witherspoon. Do you have a pick? Brian Branch. Yeah, I think he was robbed out of being part of that award, personally, but... Um, out of this list, I, I actually like Colby Turner. That was the one person on here I didn't think you'd pick. I listen, Jalen Carter checked out the last fucking eight weeks of the season, and I I think that I'd was some Devin bullshit. What? But Devin Witherspoon for me. Yeah, I I pick Colby Turner. I I think he was outstanding, dude. 
especially the last fucking eight games of the year, he was outstanding. I'll be the odd one out. If we're accounting for a full season body of work, I'm going to go with Will Anderson. I'm going to go with Will Anderson. I thought that he actually lived up to the hype as the year went on. I, I definitely agree Jalen Carter fizzled out. He's a close second for me. Um, Witherspoon, a lot of what he did came in, like, certain games, which, you know, his team didn't make it. Like, yeah, down, like, down the stretch, he wasn't effective yeah. at all. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same <clears throat> with Jalen Carter, but Jalen Carter was, like, consistently good. At least, you know. Yeah, he was until the end. First fucking ten weeks, he was outstanding. Yeah, and then he got Patricia, just like everyone yeah, and else. Yeah, he got Patricia. Um, you, you know what getting Patricia's is like? You know what that is? It's like getting ass punched. I'm and with he you. got Patricia. I'm with you. Go ahead. Uh, next, offensive, offensive rookie of the year: <clears throat> C.J. Stroud, Bijan Robinson, Puka Nakua, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. You first. This is the toughest one for me to pick. Um, but, again, I guess it depends what you take into account. I mean, Puka Nakua pretty much put the Rams in, in the playoffs. Like, single-handedly. without With Cooper Cup having a down year and injuries, Kieran Williams missing a bunch of games, Puka Nakua pretty much put them in the position to be in the playoffs. And, I, I mean, what he did this year was, was pretty he special. He so, 60-year-old record. 60 I'm going to go Puka Nakua. All right. Uncle Sam? Sam? I agree. Puka Nakua. He's number two for me. So it's it's going to be Stroud. And I again, I love what CJ Stroud did this year. But I think Stroud's context is under, well, look what happened with this team. And he did have a historical year for a rookie quarterback. He, he had one of the most historic. But when I talk about a player at a position that had a historic year, Sam Laporta had the best year for a rookie tight end of all time ever of all time. Like it's not even, it's not even up for debate. And then on top of that, he had one of the best receivers for a rookie pass years for a, a rookie pass catcher all time, which says a lot about Puka Nakua as well. But Sam Laporta was the best tight end in football this year. And I think he was the, because he was the best at his position. I think Sam Laporta should win this award. It's going to go to Stroud. You guys aren't off with, with Puka. I, I'd go Sam Laporta one Puka two Stroud three. Um, but it's going to end up being Stroud. But I think Sam Laporta should totally win this award. Defensive player of the year. Deron Bland, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and T.J. Watt. Go ahead. I think we might all be unanimous on this one. Max Crosby, and I don't think there's a close second. Oh, wow. I, I agree. I agree. I disagree. Miles Garrett. I, I think Max Crosby's. Miles Garrett for me. Miles My, Garrett was the th that was a Browns team that that exceeded everyone's expectations, and they did it because of their defense. And he was the piece on their defense that did it. But I would love if Crosby won. I, I'd love I just that. think Crosby was the consistent animal from start to finish this year, and I don't think any guys played to his level. Game changer, angry dude. I, I love Max Crosby. Uh, next up. Offensive player of the year. Tyreek Hill, Lamar Jackson, C.D. Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, and Dak Prescott. You go first, Uncle Sam. <laughs> Say it one more time. Who was that? Lamar Jackson, C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott, Christian McCaffrey. And I missed Tyree someone Kill. at the beginning. Tyreek Hill at the beginning. Fucking Tyreek. If he had a few more yards, I would have took him. 
I'm going to take Lamar Jackson in this. I'm going to go Tyreek Hill regardless of how many yards he had. I thought that uh, best receiver in football this year, best receiver in football the last few years. Um, and, and, I mean, he's always he always gets that one injury towards the end of the year and misses a game or two that keeps him from breaking those 2000, that 2,000 yards. That's because number, he's but... too interested in being a porn star than a football player. So I'm going Lamar. So I think it should be Tyreek Hill. Um, cause again, context, what they did historically, and this is, I'm not saying he's the MVP of the league, but offensive player of the year, I think it should be Tyree kill. I think it's going to probably go to Lamar if I had to guess, because it's hard to win one award and not win, the, I mean, not win, the other. win all the fucking get. Oh, and, and McCaffrey could be in this conversation as well. Yeah. I think McCaffrey could be in this conversation. But what Tyreek Hill did was very special this year. What McCaffrey did with touchdowns was really special this year. Because quarterbacks get the love in the MVP argument, I kind of want to disqualify them from this one because the, the MVP is going to go to a quarterback. So give me – I think Tyreek Hill should win it. I think Lamar Jackson's going to win it. Go ahead. Finish it up, Sam. MVP. Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. What? One of these is not like the other. You pick it first. Christian McCaffrey. Uncle Sam? I agree. I'm Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson, he's, he's going to— I gave Lamar Offensive Player of the Year. That's fair. So that's why I'm giving Look McCaffrey up. fucking— MVP. For, for me, Lamar's on the verge of doing the unthinkable, and he's so dialed in, and he's so good as a leader. Like, we've seen what that team is without Lamar, and he had a special year on both fronts. Passing, he had he had one of his best years from a passing standpoint. Um, of course, he was healthy the entire year. Like, I, I've been waiting for this for a that, long time. I've been waiting for this for so—I've been telling people for five years— if they play a full year healthy, the Ravens are always the best team in football. And here we are. They were relatively healthy this year. And they have some good pieces defensively. I think it's Lamar. I think he's going to end up with Super Bowl MVP. I think he's going to end up winning the Super Bowl. I think he's going to have that extra special year. I think it's Lamar Jackson's year. Go ahead. What were you going to say? And uh, without further ado, the comeback player of the year. The finalists are Tua. Matt Stafford, Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, and DeMar Hamlin. You first. Say that last one again. DeMar Hamlin. That's a fucking joke. It's a Whatever. joke. It's a joke if he wins. Fucking joke. They want to nominate him, that's cool. It's a joke yeah, if he wins. you want to nominate him, I don't have an issue with that. But he's if he wins it, it's a fucking farce. All right, so who's your pick real quick? Who's Baker Mayfield. I, I, I know this is going to sound stupid, but. I think Baker Mayfield. Okay. You guys aren't far off. I think I think because of the tear oh. Baker went on at the end and the run that he went on at the end, yeah. that yeah, like I could see it and I'd be more than okay with it. I think my pick though is is Flacco. Flacco. <laughs> I think it's Flacco. Um because same same drill. Flacco did the same thing and even won more games. But I, I just didn't win the division. Yeah, but I, I thought Baker played from start to finish. Where Flacco Fair. did not. As long as and it's one of those two guys. that's the only reason why I said Baker. As long as it's one of those two guys, I'm cool with it. It yeah. should be one of those two guys. And yeah, Baker should be rewarded. It should I think be DeMar. And why is that? Because he survived. What? What did you just say? He's kidding. 
anyway, can you, are, is that, is that, do they already pick all this or no? Yeah, they, they probably picked all right, it. So what's they, the announce it, they announce it in two weeks, though. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, but it's okay. probably already picked. All right. I don't Anyways. know. I don't know what else to do here. Are we are we signing off? Are we signing off on championship weekend? I, we're signing off. Unless anybody has anything to add, we're signing off. So I'll our take a picks question. are as follows going forward. Uncle Sam loves taking questions at the end of the show. Can so can we, can we take I one question? Love taking question? But our picks going forward for Super Bowl. Uncle Sam has a Chiefs Lions Super Bowl. I have a Lions Ravens Super Bowl. Zolo has a Ravens. 49ers Super Bowl. I have the scripted NFL Super Bowl and the rematch of the Super Bowl from Colors. 10 years ago or 11 years ago, wherever it was. Who's that? Mad- uh, Ray- we're not Ravens taking Niners. questions Raven today. Ray. We're not taking questions today. We will take questions on Monday right. when I am back. Where are you going to dinner tonight? If nobody has any. Uh, so that's a heated debate right now. It's either going to be Nacho Mamas or we're going to make the trek to Naples and have Patsu again for the second time this week because it was fantastic the first time gonna have what do you know what pazzo is it p-a-z-z-o yes do you know what that what pazzo translates to in italian by any chance crazy crazy what are you having for dinner tonight food's crazy Enchiladas? food's crazy good no tacos burritos i had me a nice salad tonight jimmy changas what kind of salad i don't know Make me a little. I got a little romaine and some baby beets, whole beets. Ooh, I love a nice uh, beet. Some feta cheese, some grape tomatoes. So it's pretty much Greek. If we, kinda. If we end up at Nacho Mama's, I will be having a chicken chimichanga and some beef empanadas. Fabulous. Sounds good to me. I was at Minard's earlier today, and they have this this pellet grill, and I almost bought it. It was three layers inside of it. It's huge. But I, I just, the pellet thing just doesn't. I'm not I think lie. without charcoal, you can't go right. I didn't know what you were talking about when you said Minards because I've never heard it. Minards. As, yeah. Sorry. Minards. <laughs> no, I figured I figured it out. But I, I just, I don't know, dude. It Tank was in the three chat layers, says yum. badass. It plugs in. And you fill this little 20-pound hopper with the. With the fucking Charcoal. wood pellets. And uh, it's got like a fan motor in there and it blows the heat up. And I think we need to have a year-end smoked brisket. I think Uncle Sam should smoke us a brisket for the end. But here, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not sold on pellets. Barbecue is real simple. Pellets are for fucking amateurs. I'm sorry? We're going to get a proper hardwood smoker. Pellets are for amateurs. We ain't doing that. We're going to get a good old-fashioned hardwood ghetto grill made out of an oil tub, and it'll be fabulous, all right? Without without charcoal, you're never going to get the flavor, period. You know that, right? You got to have charcoal. I agree. So all these little electric fucking smokers and and wood shit, wood. What doesn't give you flavor? Charcoal does. Shout out to Tip Meats. Bring us home, Sam. Tip Meats. Monday, I promise you we will do an Ask Uncle Sam session. I promise. Everybody come Monday with your questions for Uncle Sam. Okay. Does anybody have anything to add? 
Go Lions. That's it. And enjoy that. it. No matter what happens, just, just enjoy the shit out of this. Because this is it hasn't set in for me. I like I had such a bad work week that it hasn't set in what that how special what's about to happen is. We're living our best lives over here. That's it. We're literally living our That's best it. lives. Be fired up and ready. Be ready. Godspeed. Bring us home. Solo, you want to take us home? No, you bring us home. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Tip Balls Podcast. Make sure to follow our socials, Instagram and Twitter at Tip Balls. TikTok at Tip Balls Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, check us out on YouTube where we go live Mondays and Fridays, usually between 4.30 and 5. And remember to ring the bell so you get notified when we go live. Thank you so much for listening. Go Lions. And you guys will hear from us on Wednesday. Hopefully happy.